When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. <laughs> Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and your super producer, Riley Bray. Hi, boys. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? We're back after a week without my guys. Uh, we're in the dogman days of BCC Jet Ski Summer. We're continuing our season-long trend of sharing stories of high strangeness somehow related to water. Sometimes it's a bit of a stretch, <clears throat> uh, but <laughs> not this week. Uh, now, both of you guys are on still or have recently come back from being on vacation. I got to ask yeah. up front, have you had a chance to get back on any jet skis lately? <laughs> unfortunately no uh although when i was in uh puerto escondido i was riding a scooter a lot which is the uh, jet ski of land so <laughs> every it's well known it's yeah known it's well known it's a known fact so you know i, I think in a lot of ways i, I felt uh I, I felt still connected to the the spirit mm-hmm. of the ski you know how close how close were you to the water on your mexican vacation uh, the second week, very close. Uh, we were in this little uh, beach town called Puerto Escondido. That was, which mm. uh, it means the hidden port, which I love. But um, it, it was like you know that episode of Black Mirror where they're in uh, San Junipero. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys you know what? God, mm. you're gonna out me. I've not really watched any Black Mirror. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, right. guess what? Neither have I. So. <laughs> oh, this smells like TV club to me. I oh, know wow. San Junipero is a popular episode of that series. I've it's never one of my seen favorite it though. Ones. Anyways, people that have seen it that are watching this, this town like is that. It's like this little beach party town. Everyone that's there is like somehow just like gorgeous. It's just all wow. these like glistening, barely dressed people. That got like, that got Bryce's attention. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the description of the city didn't. But the moment you said hot people are there, Bryce went, wow. Yeah. because uh, I'm a place where there's not a lot of hot people. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, God. Yeah, it, it was something else. And like every every night, like as the sun goes down, like 100 maybe 200 people all just like 
sit on the beach and watch the sunset together like every night and it's the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen and people are just like playing games and sitting out on towels listening to music it like looks like a set like this is like uh, how is how is this place real it's, it's unbelievable. do you find yourself like questioning your life you're like why am i working for a living why do i live in los angeles oh yeah <laughs> you're, you're oh, like yes. why do i not live here full time yes the questions ran very deep while i was in mexico <laughs> what would you do I'll- what would you what would your job be if you were to stay there well, actually, the last Podcast day... Podcast producer. Yeah, exactly. Can we uh, get this one going here, guys? I can deal with the two-hour time difference. Um, the last day we were there, I got offered a job at the uh, at the uh, vegan uh, restaurant that we went to like every day. Uh, no way. Really? <laughs> like, what, as a chef? No, as like a waiter. It was, it's all these That's like amazing. super, super pitted like like beach dudes that all work there. And the, the one guy was like, you know, you've been in here every day. If you want to just stay and just work here, you can. <laughs> wow. <laughs> want to just stay. Because they I'm know, so right? They see yeah. it in your eyes. They're like, they this yeah. guy needs an excuse <laughs> to yeah, not go exactly. back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, um, but, but yeah. And then the other week we were in Mexico City, which is truly one of the most incredible cities i've ever seen it's just so beautiful there the best restaurants the nicest people like the architecture the history the museums it was just like it was incredible i had such a great time very recharged yeah any any bcc related ephemera while you were down there like because you know mexico city is supposed to be like a ufo hotspot. yeah uh unfortunately no ufos but we did look into and find an alley that's supposed to be haunted it's a avocado alley and the uh the story goes that there was a child who was killed by a soldier uh in this alley and then the soldier like um lost his mind basically um like he he uh was so straught with grief that he ended up like hanging the child from a tree which doesn't really seem like would make it better but that's Mm. what he did and then i think he also killed himself so the the alley is supposed to be haunted by um the the, this soldier and this child and uh we found that and we walked down it at dusk during a thunderstorm and it was like raining and there's like thunder and rolling in the distance and it was very very spooky and i did record a bunch of audio to see if i got any evps but i don't i don't think we did well certainly appreciate that attempt how brutal would it be if you're a kid and the person who murdered you, you're now stuck together as ghosts. Like that would, oh, that, <laughs> that see, would be unfortunate. That, yeah. Uh, that's why it can't be like, it can't be like that in the afterlife. Right. It, 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 it has to be more than just that. Cause if you get stuck like that, Oh, you're screwed. Yeah. Hopefully they're on some yeah, sort of parallel no good. planes or something. Yeah. Maybe, you know, but yeah, it was, uh, it was that I was, I was looking for, I was looking for ghosts, looking for, looking for anything paranormal there got a got a spooky walk it's the you know it's the best hey, thing I could do you take it where you can get it speaking of being stuck Bryce it sounds like from the groans in your voices hearing uh Riley describe Mexico that maybe you're feeling a little stuck in your vacation <laughs> and it's time to get out of British Columbia well I'm not looking at glistening bodies I'm more of a camp counselor to a bunch of kids <laughs> mine my sister-in-law's and a few other people's kids so uh I'm kind of on that duty which is not really vacation like uh thank God for the beautiful scenery of the Pacific Northwest but uh I'm actually it, it, having a great time though because the kids the kids need that that fresh air and to be with their their cousins so we're having a good time but uh no glistening bodies up this way 
I am enjoying uh, the photos you've posted of just you and and baby together uh, <laughs> on the beach. Uh, you posted a picture recently where you're sitting in a folding chair with baby and the way you're dressed, like you look like you should be uh, stepping into a house that's about to be carried off by balloons. Like you totally look like a character out of up. You're like a mix of the old man and the, and the Cub Scout. I don't know how I you am, did it, but I know I am such an old man and yet a boy at heart at the same time. It's a total fucking paradox. I don't know how I live with myself, but yeah, I mean, that's well, goals to achieve, really. Yeah, that's, that's totally. the best of both worlds, is what that is. <laughs> uh, We're having a we good time. To... I, yeah, no, go go on, please. Oh, I was just saying, this is the first time I've brought baby anywhere. So watching her enjoy like farm life and so <laughs> a place like outside of Los Angeles has been amazing. She's just having the time of her life. Now, um, last we spoke, you were in an area where Bigfoot, you said, easily could come meandering past any yeah bigfoot sightings any bigfoot wood carvings even have you seen any cool bigfoot statues or merch while you've been in in british columbia oh my god yes bigfoot merch i have to take a picture of this fucking t-shirt i got it's basically bigfoot walking a frenchie and he's holding a poo (laughs) bag i'm like that's me all my (laughs) all my nieces are like uncle bryce you gotta get that shirt that's basically you and i'm like you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, this is after I just gave like like this long-winded speech about how I don't like Bigfoot merch. And then I go off and buy a, a fucking Bigfoot t-shirt at the local t-shirt <laughs> it's shop. It's When you merch. choose it for yourself, then it's okay. <laughs> then then it's know? okay. Yeah. But uh, they also had – I'll send this to you guys. Uh, they also had a, a chart of mermaid tales, Salish Sea mermaid tales. I thought you guys would oh, appreciate wow. that. Uh, absolutely shop, what if you Coast cracked it open and you just saw an illustration of you and tate and neonis like in the jet ski <laughs> dimension and that's the I'm moment you knew you that. were dead yeah <laughs> oh my god totally. i'm waiting for that crossover moment where i see someone rocking some bcc merch or or see a bumper sticker or or hear someone listening to it i know it's coming yeah guys, yeah, guys you're out there on. get get that merch you know what that's a perfect uh, little segue here because, um, well, if you haven't guessed, there is no guest this week. The three of us obviously have a lot to catch up on, including a, a listener's eyewitness account of mysterious lights recently seen over San Diego, some more wow. radio signals from outer space, and a possible Bigfoot skull that was discovered um we'll get into all that that all happened yeah. while you guys were gone uh, we've had a lot of people asking us to comment on it um and that's all before we get to this week's story of high strangeness but but before we get into all that we really should do a little tiny bit of clubhouse keeping so uh speaking of merch bryce what, yeah, what do you well, want to we- tell our club scouts well, just to remind the that, that it's not too late to hop on the band jet ski and celebrate the season with your very own jet ski summer t-shirt uh, designed by James Maholland. This 80s-inspired Ocean Pacific throwback depicts Bigfoot riding, what else, guys? A jet ski. And it can be found on the Bigfoot Collectors Club Tee Public Shop, which you can find in the show notes of this episode or in the fabulous link tree that Michael created found in our bios Hello. on our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. See us there. 
Speaking of summer fun, we make BCC for fun, but not for the money. Bigfoot Collectors Club is primarily a crowdfunded enterprise, which means we really don't make any money creating this content unless we are supported by listeners like you. You can tell I wrote this copy after a long day of research. (laughs) (laughs) Or just paying bills, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Please consider supporting the show by pledging $5 a month. Over at our Patreon, BCC The Other Side at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Your patronage, guys, it will unlock the parallel dimension of BCC where you'll receive three exclusive bonus episodes every month, plus the entire archives of The Other Side, which is quickly headed towards 200 episodes. Listen, guys, if you've been listening to the show for five and a half years, and you haven't pledged just for a month. Let's do this. Let's make August Patreon month, right? I'm just calling mm-hmm. it out of the top Love of it. it. Just first time patrons, try it out for a month. You can binge as much as you want. If you don't like it and don't feel like supporting the show, then then you can you can drop out. And we appreciate any support we can get. Uh, but I I, I just want to say, like, we do this show as a labor of love. Um, we really can't pay the bills doing this show. Um, so, and also this show wouldn't exist without the patrons that we have over on the other side. That's there's like 473 of you guys that are keeping this show alive. And we have, mm-hmm. uh, I'm bad at math, but at least 10 times the amount of listeners to that, I think, if not more. So yeah. Definitely more, but definitely more. We'll call it. We'll call it that. <laughs> okay, it's that I can visualize as someone who's bad at math. I can visualize anything that's ten times something. All right. So if you haven't done it, throw us a bone. Check it out. We know times are tough, but we're making all this content for free, um, and you'll get more. You'll get you'll get three episodes every month at least. Um, you'll get all the archives, you'll get some exclusive posts, some exclusive videos. And if you're really feeling generous and you really want to support the show for nine bucks a month, what, what can they get? Well, they get access to the ultra terrestrial tier, which is a whole other layer of the Patreon. That's mainly, mainly, uh, framed around the scores from the show, but Uh, also quickly becoming something else. Yeah. As soon as you gave me the reins to do whatever I wanted with it, uh, it, it became something else. It became uh, this platform where I'm posting uh, demos of an album I'm working on. So these are, this is music that I'm writing. We're, we're posting the songs that we create for the show. So there's a exclusive BJ and the Shadow Bats track on there. There's a Club Bryce track on there. Um, actually, just uh, recently, I posted a soundscape I made in Mexico City where I just walked through the whole city. And as I was walking around, I would just record some audio of all these places I went by. There's just music everywhere there. So I just created this thing that was, it's just like a walk through Mexico city. So it's just this ambient sort of uh, meandering soundscape of, of going through this beautiful city, including the walk down avocado alley. So you can check for yourself. Maybe you'll hear a little ghost in there. I don't know. Subscribe and see. Sounds incredible. Also, we've talked about doing some more, of your famous guided UFO meditations that you've done That's right. uh, in the past. So That is right. There will be more of those available on the ultra terrestrial tier as well. And as it. Michael was saying with this month if you want let's make it Patreon month, give it a shot. 
try it out. You can download the episodes. So if you don't want to binge them all at once, just go on there and download a bunch and see if you like it. And if, it, if you're digging it, then please continue to support the show. If you're not, that's fine too. You can just go on there and download it all. So, you know, it's like just it never it. happened. It yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to support the show without dropping five cents or five bucks, how about writing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help bring BCC to new listeners? If you do, we might rate it on the air like this one. Uh, well, this review comes to us from mystery yeet person <laughs> very millennial okay. or gen z i guess at this point yeah. very gen z yes uh well this bestie writes on the edge of me seat you are the rom-com of government and alien will they won't they along for the ride hoping they will winky face five stars great <laughs> mystery yeet person well gorgeous we love it creative and and loving. That's what we're all about here at Bigfoot Collectors Club. And listen, mm. I've gotten a few messages. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, just give us a five star on the app that you listen to. That is fantastic. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Apple's just one of those that they measure all the algorithm, blah, 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 blah. And it helps get the show to more people. So that's that's why we ask you to do it. All right, guys. Let's put away the brooms, the dustpans, everything else. And uh, let's get into it. Let's talk some BCC News Roundup. Um, These are stories that uh, happened while you guys were away, and we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. So, uh, Riley, get ready, because we have some... BCC News! All right, so this one, first we've got kind of an update. Uh, This is about the Georgia Guidestones that, if you guys recall, uh, were bombed and then subsequently demolished. These were a strange outsider art with some uh, perhaps questionable, perhaps uh, some fine, some maybe questionable things written about what uh, the human race should do in a post-apocalyptic situation if they're trying to rebuild the human race. And it caught the attention of conspiracy theorists who believe that these messages were satanic because it talked about keeping the global population below 500 million. A lot of people thought this is a one-world, new-world order situation. There was even a uh, candidate for uh, 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 Georgia... um, what am I trying to say? Congress, who was saying it was satanic. Anyway, so uh, those have been demolished, and we got a message from, we were talking about it a couple weeks back with Luke Boyce and Michael Morisi, and one of our listeners pointed out on Instagram, uh, KY Pa, just a heads up, if you haven't heard since this episode was recorded, the probable identity of R.C. Christian is a man named Herbert Hinsey Kirsten, who had some mm. not so good views on race and thought we should sterilize people with low IQs. Um, Ooh, for more information, I recommend listening to episode 195 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast and Anti-Q podcast. Um, haven't checked that out yet, but there you go. There's a free podcast recommendation. Wow. I did look this guy up. This guy uh, sounds... I didn't get too much into a deep dive, of it, but the idea is that maybe this guy... A lot of people think this guy, Dr. Herbert... H. Kirsten, Hinsey Kirsten of Fort Dodge, Iowa, was the guy who funded these Guidestones to begin with. He died hmm. in 2005. And looking at looking into him and looking into his obituary, um, 
they talk about how like he was super conservative churchgoer guy, you know, a naturalist, a conservationist. And just there's like a there's a thing in his um, bio that's like in his obituary that's like and he was very concerned with population control. So there's all these like mm. clues that he huh. was maybe the guy who had come up with these and funded the Guidestones. The other bad news about this dude was it seems to be that he was uh, a, a white supremacist and involved with the KKK. Oh. So, oh. Yikes. So, uh, let me just, just start distancing not, myself. Yeah, maybe not a Rosicrucian, but there's stone talk. Yeah. So there's no, <laughs> there's no proof that this is the guy, but, you know, look into it. Go look it up. Um, if that's the case, then Georgia Guidestones rest in pieces. But still, let's not bomb weird. I still say let's not bo- bomb weird tourist weird attractions. Stuff. Okay, let's yeah, not totally. bomb it. Well, let's just not bomb things. Yeah, let's not bomb shit. <laughs> that's like a good place to <laughs> start. Kind of standard rule right there. You know, first <laughs> yeah. of all, thank you uh, uh, to that Instagram um, follower. I saw that too. That message and I it, it caught my attention. I was like, oh, I had never heard of that because I did a. Uh, a story of high strangeness on the Georgia Guidestones and my research never led me to that guy. So I'll be listening to their podcast for sure. I'm sure as hell interested in what they have uncovered or what evidence might link that guy to the yeah. Guidestones. Cause if, in the case, yeah, if that's sure. the case, fuck that guy. But like you said, <laughs> yeah. Mike, if it's, <laughs> if it's still, you know, built by, you know, some type of enlightenment, enlightenment movement or something or someone else, then, then by all means they have the right to express their, uh, their views and through money through art a public art space like that I, well the uh the conspiracy theorists were afraid of your theory that it was a rosicrucian a secret order doing it yeah. because they see yeah. the rosicrucians as being this uh the satanic cult because right. anything no, that's, i you get know. that yeah but totally. uh it turns know, out that it might have just been a fellow far right idiot who, who made yeah, it that so is, that would be ironic though wouldn't yeah. it if it was made yeah. by a far-right conspiracy theorist and then blown up by a far-right conspiracy yeah. theorist oh like, god wouldn't that something be just, good to that yeah who knows it will remain a mystery and un- unfortunately we'll never really we'll never really know they're gone so um it's true hmm. um all right well we'll put that to rest and in the meantime let's move on to did you guys here, uh, this is actually sent over to me. Uh, I had seen it, but Jen Kirkman shot me a text about uh, MIT discovering new radio signals from outer oh, space. Yes. This is, uh, some more radio signals. Um, this is, yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, they found unusual radio signals. This comes from Boston.com. The Globe wrote about it, but I don't have a subscription, so I couldn't read the article that Jen sent me. Oh, I hate that. But, uh, I hate astro- that. I know. Astron- well, you know, we really should pay for the journalism. Uh, astronomer, again, guys, support the things that you consume, right? <laughs> right. right? Yes, 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 absolutely. Astronomers from Canada and MIT have detected an intriguing and unusually persistent radio signal from a galaxy several billion light years from Earth. Earth. According to MIT, the signal is what is known as a fast radio burst, or FRB. These massively strong bursts of radio waves usually last for a few milliseconds. And what sets this new signal apart is that it lasts for up to three seconds. Deepening the mystery even further, this FRB was intercut with period bursts of radio waves that repeated every 0.2 seconds in a clear pattern. Um, I'm going to 
pull a Bryce and just refer everybody to the rest of the science in this article. Yeah. Now they're still saying <laughs> they're still like, uh, it's probably a star. It's probably coming from a certain kind of star, but it is cool that there's a repeatable pattern that's happening in this signal. Right. I mean, yeah, they talk about it. Definitely. They said it sounds like a heartbeat. They described hmm. it as sounding like a heartbeat. You that's know, cool. It's so vast and expansive, and there's so little we know about our own oceans. I can't imagine just the breadth of knowledge we have no idea about that comes from the universe. So in all likelihood, yeah, who, who knows? It could be anything created by uh, by universal nature. But yeah, if there's pattern there, then... Then that, but that at the same other side of the token, that's so big, there can't just be us. There's got to be so many just planets teeming with life that have come to this point in their technological advances where they're sending out, you know, radio signals. I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it either way. It, it's I feel like we've got to come to a point where we're going to we're going to detect another type of civilization here pretty soon. Right. Or. I mean, I would imagine within the next 50 to 100 years, it's got to just happen. We're making so many advances. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I mean, the amount that we're looking now and like, I mean, even just like this is different, but like with the James Webb telescope, like the the amount of detail we're bringing back in these images is just incredible. And we're like, you know, starting to be able to look at the atmospheres of distant exoplanets. And it's insane. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's an exciting time for for us astronomy i almost said astrology but uh that's a that too why not (laughs) sure it's an exciting time for that too why not um so typically this next bit of news we'd save letters like this one for our l files episodes at the end of every month but because this one that we got from a listener was related to this recent news event i thought we would read it today now this is about some mysterious lights that appeared over san diego at the end of June. And I think I think this happened the week that we were recording Tenny's episode. I'm not I cannot remember if we even touched upon it, but it was one of those that um, let's see. This was uh, I'll, I'll pull up the story here and all this stuff will be in our show notes. But basically, eyewitnesses captured um, lights of uh, over the ocean on on this Monday night in San Diego in late June, Monday, uh, June 27th. And very quickly, uh, the military basically came out and they're like, that was us. We were we were running flares. We were doing flare experiments, um, flare testing or whatever you want to call it. The same stuff that they said, you know, it was it was the excuse for Phoenix lights, Phoenix lights. Right. So, OK, great. Mystery solved. Right. Well, we got this listener uh, who who wrote in to us. And uh, Bryce, why don't you read this letter? Because I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, let's do it. Howdy, boys. I wanted to reach out and share my personal experience with the most recent Mysterious Lights Over San Diego event. As you may or may not know, on June 28th, around 9 p.m., several mysterious flashing lights appeared just off the coast of us here in San Diego. Now, I happen to live about seven miles inland from the coast and just south of Miramar Marine Air Corps Base. Hey, from the first top gun. So, I am quite familiar with military jets, copters, and the usage of flares. Nice. Now, I happened to be talking with my wife when I turned to head back to our couch. I happened to glance out our patio door and saw three to four immobile flashing lights over what would be either the coastal area or the ocean itself. 
because of how much air traffic we have, I immediately realized this was not normal. I called my wife over and we watched as these lights flashed orange, red, and oddly blue. After about two to three minutes, they just blinked out. They didn't fade as flares normally do, after which I told her, that was a goddamn UFO. Now, of course, the military had no comment to begin with, but soon they fell back on the good old, it was flares, don't worry. But boys, believe me when I say, these were not flares. Anywho, thanks for reading my story, and I have already scheduled my regression. Respectfully, (laughs) Bryson J. Breedlove, former firefighter and EMT. Wow, thank you, Bryson. Wow, yeah, seriously. Awesome. There you go. Here is another trained observer who's working in that in that specific area who's telling you, I know what planes and copters look like. This is not that. Right. And also the detail about the way that flares fade out and that these didn't and the changing of the colors. And uh, that's those, those are great details to to note and, and pay attention to. Yeah. You know, based Man. on yeah. knowledge of the subject. Guys, if you're in San Diego, if you listen to the show, if you saw those lights at night, uh, write in or leave us a voice memo. Even better, and tell us what you think you saw. I, let's get let's well, get these eyewitness. We want these eyewitness reports yeah. like this. Oh, yeah. yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. And look, I'll tell you, this off the coast of San Diego is where that Tic Tac uh, UFO was captured in that Nimitz striker group. So San Diego, the coast of California, Catalina Island, these are all hot spots. Uh, for UFO activity. And what we're learning more and more is that military bases in general uh, are hot spots for UFO activity. Mm-hmm. I also just love that we're getting firsthand accounts of like paranormal news that's happening in real time. <laughs> I know. That's pretty great. Uh, much yeah. appreciated. Thank you. I love it. Bring it. I want more, 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 more. Thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Bryson, for that. That was incredible. All right. Let's move on to this next story. So this kind of came and went uh, by the time our listeners hear this, because we're we're recording it a little bit in advance. Um, the story will be a faint memory, but we had so many people asking us to comment on it. And I think it's actually interesting, uh, regardless of the outcome. But this is about if you guys had been on Instagram in the past few weeks, you may have noticed this guy named Nathaniel Coyote Peterson. He's a YouTube personality. He's a wildlife presenter who claimed to have found a primate skull uh, in in British Columbia, where not too far, I guess, from where where, uh, where Bryce is first, right now. So, first of all, what is a what is a wildlife presenter? So he's a guy <laughs> who I believe, from what a, the stuff I've watched, he's like one of these like. I'm going out into the woods. I'm going to show you, you know, like, here's how you track. Here's what trees do. He's like, I think a lot of kids watch his videos about him exploring the woods, basically, in the forest. And then, you know, so animals, fish, all that kind of stuff. So um, as far as he might, he might really know his stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not, you know, I haven't watched any of the videos before I don't today. Know I have never heard of this man. <clears throat> well, that's because we're Gen Xers and we have no idea what's on YouTube either. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so this story came out uh, fo- to follow that up. Wildlife presenter claims to find Bigfoot skull in British Columbia. Here's what scientists think. 
Uh, this is from James Felton, senior staff writer at IFLScience.com. And this is just to give you a little background on the story. American YouTuber and wildlife presenter Nathaniel Coyote Peterson surprised his fans a few weeks ago with a Facebook post in which he claimed to have found a non-human primate skull. Leaking pics here before they are taken down and before government slash official try to cease our footage, Peterson wrote in the post, adding that he was waiting for a primatologist to take a closer look at the skull. Absolutely unreal. We thought it was a bear skull when we found it. I can 100% guarantee it is not. Peterson carefully did not mention Bigfoot in the post, although though it was Sasquatch, which he was hunting for in his show, merely hinting that it could be from something mysterious. I don't know if it's what y'all think it might be, he wrote, but I cannot explain finding a primate skull in the pack Northwest without wondering, what do you believe? His innuendo turned into outuendo when he titled his video on the subject Bigfoot Skull Found in Canada. In the video, Peterson stumbles across the skull while his crew attempt to take head sh- uh, overhead shots using drones. After initially declaring it to be a bear skull, he suggests, I mean, I'm almost afraid to say it, that could be a Sasquatch skull. While his skeptical crew tells him to put it back, believing it to be from a primate, he places it in his bag without their knowledge, which is illegal to do without a permit, assuming that the skull is a natural object, and removes it from the park. The video ends with no conclusion on what the skull actually is. Now, here's here's where I'm going to stop the story, because uh, I have updates past this. But basically, all the scientists took one look at it, and they're like, that's a gorilla skull or probably a recreation of a gorilla skull because it doesn't look real. OK, yep. it doesn't right. look like wow. it's a real skull. You guys might want to pull up photos of this if you want to see it, uh, if you're listening or Bryson Riley, just for a reference. So that store, that video is out there for a couple days and then they followed it up with a second video. I'm 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 stepping away from the story now. And I watched a second video and the second video at the very, they bring it home. They're like, how could you steal this? Blah, blah, blah. And I have to say, I watched the first video, not knowing what, where it was all going to lead. And I was like, this guy is acting. This is really bad acting. This looks super fake. This looks super planted. Um, And I was like, you can tell that they're all ad libbing and they're not very good at doing it. I was like, this is clearly fake. But why would this guy do this? Right. And in the second video, he goes, he takes it all the way up to the line of being like, we got to find out what this is. And then there's like a record scratch. And then he and one of his crew guys are like, it's fake. (laughs) It's not real. And the whole thing was supposed to be about a lesson about taking things, taking bones away from where you find them. Right. Oh, right, oh, right. Okay. So it wasn't fucking clickbait. Get me famous for a hot right. second. Give me so, a break. Yeah, all he was the teaching com- us an important lesson. Yeah, so all sure. these comments were like, okay, I would say this isn't clickbait, and this was okay if you wanted to do a little bait and switch, but why would you do this on the YouTube and then tell people on your social media that you found a Bigfoot skull? You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's no, ended up no. pissing off a lot of, it looks like a lot of people who follow this guy. As and he it, should. What a... What a, what an asshole. Yeah, Look, yeah. I remember, I remember first hearing about this. I was in Canada when I saw, in BC, when I saw this headline come through. And I remember, I remember how I felt and I didn't feel much of anything. And it's funny because 
going back to what I've said so many times, when I saw that PGF film for the first time, something hit my gut that this was authentic. When I caught wind of whatever this guy Coyote Stories was, I got I got the opposite whiff of just total baloney. And I was like, I don't buy it. I remember I, I'm here and I even uh, was like, oh, let me let me run this past the, uh, the test here. And I t- pointed to my father-in-law. I said, hey, looks like someone might have found a, a primate skull here in BC. And then just nothing. And I was like, okay, yeah, probably fake. <laughs> so that didn't pass the test either. And, you know, it's just like, give me a break. I remember seeing uh, Maria Mayer's comment uh, from Expedition Bigfoot when all this was breaking. She's like, first of all, I'd like to know uh, what primatologists you're reaching out to because I know most of them. And she was like, second of all, that's a gorilla skull and it doesn't look like a real one. It looks like it's been faux made. Uh, yeah. So she was already so on top of it like that. Yeah. In it, I mean, that's what I saw. I was like, well, this looks like a gorilla skull. Even my dumb eyes can tell that. But you know what I mean? But yeah, it was a prop. It was a prop from a movie that they used. I don't know. I wonder. It almost makes me wonder if they chickened out and decided to. For sure. That's a good. All the hoax. Because it seems like they were rolling it out in a really big way. And then it seems like they chickened out because I think people were sniffed that uh, it was bullshit. But well, uh, because think think about what they're doing. They're getting the Bigfoot community on board for a hot second only to pull the rug right out from underneath them. Yeah. You're going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah, you're going to piss off the BCC boys. Okay, Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> it's never coming on this show. Yeah, that's that right. Much. Coyote Peterson, banned for life. You're banned, banned, for, banned life. for life. Lifetime banned. Banned. Lifetime banned. BCC. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into this week's story of high strangeness. And we're back. And it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. This week, we're taking a look at one little guy, or big guy, I should say. He could be considered <laughs> little. Little in reputation is what I meant. He's kind of considered to be one of the B-list cryptids. You know, he's not the most popular figure in cryptidom, but he's he definitely holds his own when it comes to local merch and folklore. And I think he boasts a cult fan base. Um, and the place where he calls home, Lake Okanagan, is not too far from where Bryce is right mm. now. A deep lake nestled in the Okanagan Valley in the interior of British Columbia, located about 400 kilometers northeast of Vancouver. So you could get there in a day. You could get there in a couple hours. This is close. Okay. Actually, I kind of feel like you should go over there now that we're doing this because I want some pictures. But uh, Okanagan's (laughs) waters caress the cities of Kelowna, Peachland, and Summerland, just to name a few places. And legends tell of a monster that dwells somewhere near the location of Rattlesnake Island. Some speculating in a cave deep beneath its shores. Who is this cryptid? His mother was an earwig, his father was a whale, a little bit of head and, a, and hardly any tail, and Ogopogo was his name. This spirited little rhyme comes from a song from the early 20th century, which is cited as the inspiration for the modern name of Canada's most famous lake monster, and this week's subject of high strangeness, the water cryptid known as 
Ogopogo. Nice. All right. Have you guys heard of Ogopogo? Sure. I've yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Just because it's a fun He's, word. <clears throat> yeah, me too. I was like, wait a minute, Ogopogo. Because I was thinking of like, all right, we got to do a Lake Monsters, BCC Jetski Summer. We've done Nessie. We've done Champy. I was like, Ogopogo. I don't really know too much about Ogopogo. Um, so in a nutshell, he is Canada's Nessie. Good night, everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Good job. <laughs> Although I personally believe no lake monster will ever reach the heights of fame like the Loch Ness Monster, there is an undeniable charm about Ogopogo. Ogopogo is described... Also, I say Ogopogo a lot in this presentation. (laughs) I don't know if you want an Ogopogo drinking game, if that's your thing. Or I I couldn't stop typing it. I was at one point, I was like, I think I say Ogopogo 50 times in this story. (laughs) (laughs) ogopogo is described as being a multi-humped serpentine beast with green or black skin and the head of a horse snake or sheep and a and also green with a snake-like body about 25 meters long it can swim at incredible speeds whipping its tail rapidly for propulsion Similar to Nessie, sometimes the creature is represented as having two horn-like protrusions on the top of its head, hence the goat or sheep comparisons. And uh, you know what we have here, don't you guys? It's a real CSS, a classic sea serpent. Ah, <laughs> you can't right. do that. You're not allowed to do that. I think I can. There's the cla- there's <laughs> CSs, and there's CSSs, <laughs> classic sea serpent. I want to pause here for a moment and talk about, you know, sometimes in these illustrations of sea serpents and Nessie, you'll see those like little horny, <laughs> little horny knobs on their heads. Go on. Oh, uh, uh, but you know, like how snails have those like rounded, like protrusions on their head. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes yeah, yeah. when they draw sea serpents, they have these like knobs on their heads and i was like wait what is up with that where does that come from i've never stopped to go why would a sea serpent have horns so i did a little bit of digging and the horned serpent symbol um is uh, i'm reading off the interweb right now is one of the many snake-like deities depicted with horns that figure in the mythology of some native american tribes the horned serpent is associated with rain, thunder, and waterways. So uh, with First Nations people and indigenous tribes, you do see uh, this recurring motif of a snake with horns that pops up. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, horned serpents appear in the oral history of numerous Native American cultures, especially in the southeastern woodlands of the Great Lakes. Muskogee Creek traditions include a horned serpent and a tie snake uh, in the Muskogee Creek language called an Eska Quivnaviv. These are sometimes interpreted as being the same creature and sometimes different, similar. But the horned serpent is larger than the tie snake. To the Muskogee people, the horned serpent is a type of underwater serpent covered with iridescent crystalline scales and a single large crystal in its forehead. Guys, this sounds like a cool, That's very cool, cool Pokemon. Totally. Um, <laughs> Both the scales and crystals are prized for their powers of divination. 
The horns, called Chitogabe, were used in medicine. Jackson, uh, Jackson, excuse me, Jackson Lewis, a Muskogee Creek informant to John R. Swanton, I don't know who that is, said, The snake lives in the water, has horns like the stag. It is not a bad snake. It does not harm human beings, but seems to have a magnetic power over game. Uh, so there's an established thing and if you look in celtic myth there's a horned serpents that come along and sometimes like i was getting into like horns on things you know the green man had horns uh sometimes moses is depicted as having horns you'll see statues yeah, from right. Moses, and so it represents wisdom otherworldliness Divine power knowledge. yeah knowledge um so i was like okay so this kind of makes sense that maybe this sea serpent is depicted as having horns if it's you know obviously like rain waterways um if it also is some sort of like spirit or uh, some has some sort of like magic about it i guess you know what i mean um so unsurprisingly the legend of ogopogo comes goes back hundreds of years long before European colonizers arrived in British Columbia. The First Nations peoples of the area understood that Nahaatik, which translates to the spirit of the lake, uh, sacred spirit of the lake, I believe, governed the waters of Lake Okanagan. Small animals would be routinely sacrificed to appease the spirit for safe passage across the waters, and horses and canoes would be tethered to trees along the shore so as not to be abducted by the spirit of the lake. Eventually, stories of some sort of water demon or spirit were picked up by traders and settlers moving into the valley. Also, I just want to point out, this is a lot earlier than Loch Ness. You know what I mean? Like, That's a good uh, point. Yeah. Obviously, we have the story, the old story of Nessie, of St. Columbo, like, you know, summoning a beast and putting him back in the waters. But um, really, the modern Nessie stuff really starts at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, here is uh, an eyewitness account. One winter's morning in 1872, Susan Allison, an early settler from England and appears to be a Canadian historical figure, stood on a bluff. She seems to be sort of like a frontiers woman that kids yeah. learn about in Canada okay. from, from what I could tell. So Susan Allison one morning in winter stood on a bluff overlooking the lake, waiting for her husband to return for from Kelowna Mission across the lake during a break in what had been very bad weather. So she's concerned. Her husband's gone off to do some trading, bring some stuff back, and she's like, you shouldn't leave. There's a snowstorm. So the next morning, she's like, is this guy coming back or what? So while she's keeping a concerned eye out for her husband's return, she caught sight of what she believed was the physical embodiment of the sacred spirit of the lake that she had heard about from people in oh, the wow. area. So she wrote in her journal about this incident. The sun was shining and I stood on the cliff admiring the beautiful lake. Then I observed below the harbor what I first took for an uprooted pine. Then I observed that instead of floating down the lake with the current, it was coming rapidly up the lake toward where I stood. I passed the harbor and still came on with a swift undulating motion, just like a huge log in the water going the wrong way. That was a spot on Susan Allison. Right that was there. really nice. good, Susan nice. Allison. Really yeah, good. Um, yeah, so it's passing by, swimming against the current in undulating motion, and this undu the undulating motion is going to be a consistent thing that we hear about when uh, people who who think they've seen uh, seen Ogopogo describe. 
This strange encounter made Susan Allison the first white settler to catch a glimpse of the monster that would one day be known around the world as Ogopogo. She would definitely not be the last. So this is kind of where the local First Nation story begins to become co-opted by colonizers, right? And then we Mm. get this story of Ogopogo. So in 1890, a steamboat pilot named Captain Thomas Shorts, my new favorite (laughs) character name of any (laughs) strangeness story, Thomas Captain Shorts. His name is Captain Shorts. (laughs) Oh, Captain Thomas Shorts. Do you think he's like an old sea cat? I mean, a steamboat steamboat captain, but like, I mean, I guess technically Mickey Mouse is a steamboat captain and he wears shorts, so he's kind of like Captain Shorts. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just picturing like an old Canadian man with like mutton chops wearing like everything correctly on top and then he's just wearing like boxers on the bottom or just like or like, or like like jean shorts like real yeah, shorts yeah, like jean shorts is great cargo shorts yeah. I like jean shorts that's great so captain shorts he's he's tooting along in his steamboat and he spots a 16 foot long fin creature with a ram like head peering out of the water when Captain Short steered his vessel in the direction of the creature, it submerged back into the deep waters. Shorts tried uh, sh- sharing his story, but very few people believed him. Maybe because they didn't take him seriously because he was just wearing shorts all the time. <laughs> it's cold in Canada. Um, sidebar, I at Interlock and Arts Academy, there was a guy I went to school with that refused to wear pants the entire, the entire school year. He always wore shorts, and it would be like eight degrees outside in the snow and this guy would still be wearing shorts there's always one right (laughs) so stubborn he's like no i'm super comfortable i don't know what you're talking about however the ogopogo sightings were just about to become more frequent and word spread that lake okanagan was host to a primordial entity as the monster's legend grew, it picked up the name Ogopogo, most likely first in 1912 after a novelty song written by a Vancouver province reporter named Robert Kenvin called Ogopogo the Funny Foxtrot started playing in dance halls and through Victrolas around British Columbia. By 1924, hey, you got that good Ogopogo track, oh, the Funny Foxtrot? Oh. I, can't, I can't get enough of it. I love a that good one, <laughs> I like a foxtrot about a weird sea creature. By 1924, the song became more widespread and the name seemed to have stuck. Sightings of Ogopogo were about to boom. Many of the sightings are the same. Passerbys will be driving by the lake or uh, floating through on a boat or standing out on the shore when they catch a glimpse of a dark, undulating mass cresting the lake surface and remaining visible, sometimes momentarily, at other times for a matter of minutes before disappearing back down below. So I thought we would examine a handful of the more notable eyewitness accounts that I could find and then look at a couple bits of photographic and video evidence. What do you guys Ooh. say? Yeah, I'm down for that. So I'll put the links to uh, the video that we'll take a look in the show notes of this episode. And then, of course, photos will be on our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Sidebar, guys, if you're not following following us on Instagram, you're not getting the complete uh, picture, so to speak, of the show. That's where we put up all the visual aids. We don't, we're not on Facebook. We're on Instagram. So, so get over there and check it out. This one, uh, this story comes from an eyewitness uh, cited as Mrs. Cray. 
uh, who in 1947 spotted Ogopogo along with a number of other boaters enjoying their time on the lake. It had a long sinuous body, hey? 30 feet in length, I'd say, consisting of about five undulations, apparently separated from each other by about two foot space, in which that part of the undulations would have been underwater, hey? There appeared to be a forked tail, of all things, of which only one half came above the water. From time to time, the whole thing submerged and came up again. Hey, Ogopogo, for sure. <laughs> wow, he's just really, he's been there for three weeks now, people. He's been dying to break it out. <laughs> Spot on. Dying to break out that accent. This is another thing that happens, the, the forked tail. People say that it has a forked tail. That's kind of uh, metal. Horns and a forked yeah. tail. I'm down yeah. with this. Ogopogo. 100%. Yep. It's just one long devil's tongue with horns. That's what, <laughs> that's what it is. So much undulating. That devil's I know. I know. It's like a preacher's worst nightmare. The undulations, <laughs> the forked tail, the tongue. Blaspheme. In 1959, two couples, the Millers and the Martins, were motorboating across the lake when Ogopogo started following them. They spotted a, quote, tremendous creature with a snake-like head and a blunt nose, following them from a distance of 250 feet for an encounter that lasted for about three minutes. Hey, Bryce, here's an encounter story from a dad on vacation with his children. The individual, uh, known only as John P., reported a face-to-face meeting with Ogopogo. (laughs) Face-to-face meeting. That really sounds like he was having a a business lunch with him. (laughs) I should have reviewed that well, uh, I'll go some numbers like, to go couldn't we have done this on Zoom? You know, <laughs> tourism has declined uh, over the past couple of years, obviously, with the pandemic. But I've got a few ideas about how we can spice things up. Could you, could you make yourself more available? Um, so he reported this to the website OgopogoQuest.com. Guys, highly recommend you go check this out. There is a very, very devoted Ogopogo researcher who has put this website together. And I got to say... When it comes to overly devoted cryptid web web designers and web page guys, I don't know what I'm supposed to call this, fans, you could you could do worse. The Ogopogo one is like better than most Sasquatch websites I've been on. So um, <laughs> check out OgopogoQuest.com if you just need to kill some time, you're a little bored in the afternoon. So uh, this story came from 2018, but it was 32 years after it originally happened. Why would John P. wait so long to report his encounter? Well, let's take a look at his own words from his report. Bryce, that's your cue. He's <laughs> muted because he's yelling at a kid. Uh, I'll that go is ahead so true. Read. Sorry. Nope, no, I got it. I'm in. I was muted. I was yelling at a kid. You're exactly right. But here I go. As John P., there may be more yelling to come. I have not reported this story publicly before now, as it is just too unbelievable. This sighting occurred in late July of 1986. I was paddling a canoe near Ellison Provincial Park, and my two girls were trolling for fish. They were about eight and ten years old at this time. Since it was dusk and the stars were beginning to be visible, we began to head toward the dog beach at Ellison to head back to camp. It was a warm night. The lake was smooth as glass, and it was a very quiet evening with no motorboaters. We were about 100 meters out from the beach when we noticed a rounded object on the water. The object was not moving, 
and thinking it was something like a play toy or an inner tube, I decided to pad over and investigate. As we approached, the first thing I noticed was a strong, fishy smell. When the bow of the canoe was within a meter or so of the object, we noticed it was about one foot wide by four foot long and had two rows of arrowhead-shaped scales running its length. It was dark green in color. We sat there for a few seconds and I asked the kids to reel in their lines. Then we heard a kind of moaning or low growling noise. We realized that about five to ten meters further ahead, there was a large head facing away from us, silhouetted against the dusk sky. The head appeared to be about the size of a horse head and it appeared to have horizontal conical shaped structures like horns. My kids turned to ask what this was and I said, the Ogopogo. At this juncture, realizing what I had just said, my hair stood straight up and my older daughter freaked out and demanded we head to shore. The creature appeared to notice we were there and slowly moved away. It did not move with any undulations, but moved slowly with the head and hump in the same position. Its movement seemed consistent with the idea of a large body under the water, and likely under my canoe, and a long folding neck. After moving off about 50 meters, it turned as if to take a look at us, and then it submerged. This whole incident lasted about two minutes. I did have a camera in the boat with me, but was just too shocked to think of trying to use it. We've often returned to Ellison Park to camp and paddle, but I've never seen anything like that again. That's a pretty good description. That's a like pretty detailed eyewitness account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Beat some of those Nessie reports we read, I think. <clears throat> Here's another one from a witness named James Ivne, who back in 2000 was hanging out on the beach with his girlfriend when they got a little look of Ogopogo. <laughs> Is that an innuendo? <laughs> no. But it sounded that it ended up being one, and I didn't mean it. It's undulating. So I know, just, just as much as you write Ogopogo, witnesses like to write undulate. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> they I think really everyone's do. real horny in like Okanagan. <laughs> Seems like it. Here's what James had to say: A girl and I were sitting on the beach talking all night long. Around 5:30 a.m., soon after daybreak, I left the beach to use the public restroom. As I was returning to the beach, I looked out towards Rattlesnake Island and saw what looked like a submarine surface. The girl to whom I had been talking to also saw it as well and was pointing towards it. It looked to be about 100 feet or so in length and it was traveling very fast. About 30 seconds later, it went out of sight, headed south towards Pentacon. It looked like it had a wake behind it, which may have made it appear longer. It was clearly not a wave since the lake was almost like glass that morning. Clear skies, no wind and mild temperatures. The few waves there were were very small and extremely slower than what I saw. It was silent, faster than any speedboat I had seen on the lake earlier that week, but with no sound. It was obviously not a speedboat. Faster than a speedboat, wow. A number of photos and films of the alleged creature have been taken over the years, including one in 1968 by someone named Art Folden. But many have later been analyzed with modern technology and written off as either debris or, in Folden's case, a pair of lake otters having a good time. (laughs) 
So also a notable photo at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great photo. I mean, if I got two otters frolicking in the in a lake together, <laughs> I would yeah. frame that picture on my mantle. Oh yeah. And then I'd point at it when people come over, and I was like, "This was the best day of my life." <laughs> However, a couple sets of photos and stills from a video have not, and uh, from at least one video have not been ruled out, and they seem to show, well, something. A couple of these stills from a 2000 video video uh, from a 2004 video. That's the moment where my brain collapsed <laughs> right Just then. That's it. when it happened. That's when I had too much cryptid nonsense in my head and I could no longer speak. Guys, I'm telling you, my brain has been bad since I had COVID. It's starting to freak me out. So take a couple stills from a 2004 video, for example. On August 9th of that year, the Casorso family were sleeping in a houseboat in Lake Okanagan. When they were awakened by a sudden, by the sudden rocking of the waves, and as the waves banged against the boat, their father John Casorso, crazy name. That sounds like a that sounds like a last name that a little boy would make up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like if he he creates a secret agent named John Casorso. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, so he goes he, he goes up to the deck where he discovered a large animal or at least a large black hump swimming away from what was just moments earlier a very calm houseboat he managed to grab his video camera capture footage of the retreating key, creature which he estimated to be about 15 meters long and possibly accompanied by more than one other animal so i Put a little. I uh, put a couple of the stills from the video, which is not available to watch for some reason. Um, uh, but I put them up on the Instagram. You guys take a look. It's hard to tell. I mean, it's like a blue lake. There's humps, but it feels like it could just be waves. But also, all the other waves around this thing are very calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Does this show a sea serpent, or does this just show some shadowy waves? Inconclusive. Can't say either Thank way. You. Yeah, no, they are in, in, inconclusive, like Riley said. Yeah, but they, they, funny enough, they are reminiscent of old Nessie pictures. You know what I mean? They, there I is know. a similarity, you know. I know. So here we're going to get a look at a couple other photos that uh, are we- a little weirder. Uh, in August of 2008, a local photographer, Sean Villaroya, and his girlfriend, Jessica Wagers, tried snapping a photo of something with black humps-like ridges in the water just off the shores of Peachland. However, the attempt uh, failed when uh, Virolia's camera died just a little week, oh, uh, just a little over a week later. Um, sorry, let me start over. Guys, I'm telling you, my brain is falling apart. Oh so, my God. Sean, yeah, Jessica. The camera died a week later. No, I know. And I even, I even I used lost. correct punctuation. Uh, yeah. So they try to take a picture of this thing. His camera dies. But then just a little over a week later, they get a second chance when they spot a similar uh, thing while driving down Highway 97. So Sean managed to get 11 photos of the creature or the thing. And the photos were analyzed by the local fishing department, a marine biologist, and even the filmmakers of Monster Quest, none of whom could identify the object that he captured on camera. So take a look at these photos and, and you know, I want to know what you think. They're, they're kind of weird. Now, in the big photo that we're looking at, you'll see there's a boat and up to the left, there's like this whitish red thing sticking out of the water. Mm-hmm. It looks like almost like a yeah. tentacle or something. Yeah. 
And if you scroll down, and viewers, if you scroll over on Instagram, you'll see there's some zoom-ins of this weird, long, white, tentacly-looking, like crimson and white thing sticking out of the water. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I mean, that could doesn't necessarily look like a sea though. serpent, but no. it's weird, and no one can identify whatever the hell this thing is, and it does appear to be moving from photo to photo. Yeah, I'm... I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, That's it's weird. weird. So finally, in 2018, there was some more video evidence captured, on this time on Lake Skaha, which is just a breath south of Lake Okanagan in the valley. And I think a lot of these, this whole thing is connected by four fjords and like, it even looks like it could be connected through some underground, you know, uh, waterway, because they're right, off, right across the highway from each other. Um, this guy, Jim LaRoque, was paddle boating with his son when a long, rippled object that appears to be fins, which appears to have fins, drifted by. Are they just waves? Let's take a look at this video, and you guys let me know. So, Riley, count us in. Guys, this video will be, the link to this video will be in the show notes. This is from globalnews.canada from June 12th, 2019. So, Riley, cue us in and we'll take a look at this. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, three, two, one, play. So, right into it, you see... Oh, yeah. What looks like a long, Uh undulating thing with fins flapping out of the water. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. And this is the guy telling the story. This is Jim LaRoque. He's like, yeah, my... I was sitting on the dock and uh, filming my son in a paddle boat. This thing goes right past. That's his son in the boat. This thing goes right Dang. past him. <laughs> that's crazy. Sound. That is. Crazy. But you know what? That that actually looks like the pictures up above, right? That matches exactly. the pictures yeah. that were taken. Wow. And now that's that's why I wanted to do this last because then that starts to make sense with these black ridges, these black humps that people say that they see. That's weird. So, yeah, that's strange, so man. There's somebody who's taking someone took a look at this video and said, uh, this is in the story. He says, I uh, let's see. This is from um, a. uh, Oh, there's a guy who thinks that this is a um, these are just waves. Where is this guy? Uh, Robert Young, an environmental scientist, says it's a product of overturn that happens seasonally where lake layers of different temperatures and depths will pass each other. Okay, that's maybe. But. I don't know. Huh. It's strange looking, right? It looks it's like what you would think strange looking. a lake monster would look like. Now, what it's missing is that classical head that's going to stick out of the water. You know what I mean? Like, if we could see that horse-like head with horns, I'm sold. That's all I need yeah. to see. I want to see that devil tongue and those horns. Hell yeah. But mm-hmm. I can see it does look like flippers are coming out. I mean, maybe it's a school it of weird. fish or something. I don't know. Um, That's the thing. So, yeah, it could be like, yeah, it could be like patterned sturgeons moving together. But I don't know. That does look weird, man. I got it. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it is some kind of water phenomenon that creates an optical illusion to make it look like uh, uh, a sea serpent. That's what they I want you to believe. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, guys. Does the water spirit exist in Lake Okanagan? Is there really a sea serpent swimming around? Like I said, the more I look into these lake monsters, the more doubtful I become. Until some real 
solid footage on the level of the Patterson-Gimlin footage emerges. Some real, like, Jurassic Park Spielbergian shit. I want that. Yeah. I may yeah. have to categorize the existence of these creatures in the column of, I really, really want to believe. But I don't know. What do you boys think? Ogopogo. Bullshit or believe it? Hmm. I mean... I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to just outright call bullshit on it because yeah. you know there it could be something, some sort of strange creature in a large body of water. That last piece of video is pretty interesting. I but know. I also I, could see that. Well, I, I could see it being some sort of like weird water phenomenon that your brain just wants to believe it. But the the patterning of it's weird. It's weird. It's definitely weird. I can't. Too close to call. Too close to call. <laughs> yeah. I had can't. you not shown us that video, we probably would have both leaned towards. Uh, bullshit but that video sure helped look i think what you're asking here is like lake monsters bullshit or believe it right i mean because that was very reminiscent of of nessie and if people are reporting stuff like that in scotland and over at lake champion michigan and and here in uh, okanagan in the bc then then yeah maybe maybe it's part of of a larger mystery i love this idea of being a, a sort of physical manifestation of the of the spirit of the body mm-hmm. of water, right? If like, yeah. if these, if some these sort of elemental, have a, yes, if there is some sort of like elemental energy or activity that can actually manifest itself into physical form, then why not take the form of a, of a sea creature like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that the accounts go back so far, so far, and that yeah, they're still being seen in the same place. Like that says something, whether or not it's yeah. this same phenomenon that's been happening for, years that people have been kind of like attributing to a creature or you know something else yeah i don't want to give any ideas away for free but if expedition bigfoot were to say have a spinoff where you use the same (laughs) type of technology to find these lake monsters right because you know where to look Right. Yeah. No. Totally. Absolutely. I. I was really curious. As I've been thinking a lot about our last conversation with John. Uh, John Tenney, of course, who our fans reached out and just loved that episode yeah, as they always the do with a great conversation with Tenney. But I'm really looking into this idea of this sort of aquatic Bigfoot. Uh, you know, this idea that that these you know creatures are more aquatic than we think and perhaps are coming from water and into the woods. Guys. I like that. This is why we're doing Jet Ski Summer. This is what aquakineticism is all about. <laughs> this is what it's High all about. High strangeness mm-hmm. is connected. US UFOs, they're, they come from underwater. Bigfoot, it comes from underwater. Ogopogo, yeah. you know it comes from underwater. Uh, guys, I'm telling you, we're on to something with, with this summer thing. <laughs> yeah. And if there's any uh, travel channel executives living, if we can get uh, – Ogopogo quest hosted by Michael McMillan going. Yeah. As a little <laughs> and I'm going to have Expedi- Riley Bray right there Expedition next to me. Ogopogo. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Expedition Lake Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Ogo- Ogopogo Quest.com, uh, I did check that out while we were recording and they have some pretty sweet t shirts they've designed. Yeah, that, they really uh, do. Are- yeah, in a, a very one. fun there's a photo of a very friendly looking sea serpent on the homepage that uh yeah. you better believe I'll be using that as the main um photo for this episode <laughs> yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, it's worth checking or, out this website. I agree. Maybe the maybe the horns are so when you're riding Ogopogo you have something to hold on to. You know what I mean? I would yeah. hope so. Hell yeah. 
their handlebars. All right, everybody, that concludes this week's story of high strangeness and therefore this week's episode. Um, Boys, do you have anything to plug? Not really. Not this week. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just just be nice to each other. That's that's my plug. Just be nice to each other. I love that. Yeah, let's plug kindness. Kindness to one another. Yeah. I love it. Shout out to kindness. Great. Um, I guess in that case, I won't mention my other podcast, Slate Your Name. Season one is available right now. If you're bored, you want something else to listen to, go check it out. 16 episodes in season one. You can bang that out. Uh, Bryce is in it. Uh, other other past guests are on the show. Uh, and season two will be coming later this year. Also, uh, you know, we mentioned this earlier this summer. All three of us are now on Cameo. And I got to tell you, I've been getting some like requests from BCC listeners. It's very fun. I'm having a good time doing these. Good. I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah, I just love the, the, it's a great way to reach out to people who enjoy what we do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you got a special occasion or just want to send a fun message to a loved one, um, we're pretty cheap, all things considered. So uh, (laughs) head over to Cameo and hit us up. Uh, It's, it's been, it's been really surprisingly. I'm like, oh, I like this. This is a good time. Um, so that's I, I, that. I got to sing a happy birthday in Spanish from Mexico City to someone, and I really enjoyed that very oh, much. Come so. on, Riley can sing to you guys. I'll sing to you that's guys. True. Bryce will sing to you too. Absolutely, well, um, yeah. Yeah. he'll do whatever. Oh, someone mentioned that. Uh, I think it was. Uh, um, oh gosh, who was it now? Someone. I'm, it's killing me. I can't remember. Mentioned that um, the episode a couple weeks ago. It might have been on Patreon where we were talking about how much it would pay the game of how much it would cost to get Bryce to do something (laughs) embarrassing. That'd be a good game. We were calling it the price for Bryce. I think it was Derek Cole. It was Derek Cole. One of our designers, the guy who did the Bigfoot Derek Cole said it should not be the price for Bryce. It should be called the Bryce is right. And I Bryce is right. That's pretty good. Brilliant. Very good. Bryce is right. Great job, Derek. Um, All right, everybody. That's it for this week's show until next time. Good night and go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. 
Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.